What's up, coaches? This is Keep Your Pads Down, where we are the podcast devoted to the defensive line. So whether you're a D-line coach or you just like hanging out with them, thank you for giving us a listen today. Well, hey, we had a great week this past week at the Texas High School Coaches Association Coaching School. I got to meet several guys from uh, from the podcast, many for the first time. I got to hear a presentation from former podcast guest and Ole Miss defensive line coach and run game coordinator, Randall Joyner, who absolutely brought the heat with his presentation on Monday afternoon. And I think all of you guys who were there uh, for that would agree with me. Uh, We also had a great time at our KYPD Coaches Social on Monday night. Had an awesome turnout. It was a lot of fun getting to sit down and talk football with a ton of guys who have been on the podcast. And if you didn't know any better, you would have thought that we had all uh, coached together for uh, a really long time, the way that we were uh, talking ball, sharing stories, laughing, and just having a good time. So a big thank you to those guys who stopped by. And, and once again, uh, a huge shout-out to the guys at Powerlift, uh, RFS Sports, and Go Edit Graphics for sponsoring that event and for taking care of us on Monday night. Speaking of Go Edit Graphics, their business is booming right now because you know everyone is figuring out that promoting your athletes and athletic programs online and on your social media platforms is a must. It helps your kids get exposure. It keeps parents and, and, and your community in the loop and helps spread your program's brand you know, really across across your state and across the nation. And, and GoEdit Graphics can help you do all of that with our simple, uh, easy-to-use templates that can customize that you can customize to make your own by changing the colors, the text, and the images to make it match your school. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, just to name a few. The platform is really easy, super affordable, and, and I promise you no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then the team at GoTo Graphics has got you covered. Uh, subscriptions are for 12 months, and they include unlimited graphics. And here's here's something else that's cool. Mention Keep Your Pads Down, and you'll receive $25 off your Showcase yearly package. You can go check them out on Twitter, at GoEditGraphics, or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics the coaches have already created. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in minutes with GoEditGraphics. Next up, are you looking for another way to increase your football knowledge or revamp your everyday drills? Or maybe you're like me and you're coaching a brand new position this fall and wanting to learn as much as you can uh, about that. Then do what I do and go check out a new coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. I am, of course, talking about our friends at Our Coaching Network, which will have over 150 hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year that are added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. So get on over there today. Create your account. It's very affordable. You can cancel at any time. Level up on your football knowledge and connect with some outstanding coaches from across the country with Our Coaching Network. Well, today, really excited to be bringing you a guest from the great state of Alabama and Hueytown High School co-defensive coordinator, Leandre Crawford. Now, I got put in touch with Coach Crawford from a former KYPD guest uh, in, in Coach Zach Williams, who uh, came on when he came on uh, last fall. He was coaching at Hueytown, and now uh, he is a defensive line GA at the University of Texas. So big things going on from man Coach Williams. So he he recommended Coach Crawford, uh, and so we got him on the podcast. And and, and we get, uh, in our conversation today, we get in a little bit of everything. We talk, we talk linebacker play in a 3-4. Then we talk about coaching kids, you know, who, who – have a low football IQ. Now, I don't know about you guys and, and where you are, but my guys don't watch a lot of college or NFL football. They'll watch, you know, they'll watch the highlights. They'll play Madden, and they know who the players are and all that. But you know, they don't really sit down and watch too many games on their own. And that paired with the fact that you know, you think about it, our guys play guaranteed ten games a year. 
Then you throw in some playoff games. So we're dealing with guys who don't have a lot of outside football knowledge that they're picking up outside of our field house. So anyway, Coach Crawford and I talk about that and, we, and, and the challenges that presents. We also get into how to teach kids to watch film and some of the best ways he's found to coach kids up on film. Uh, so anyway, a lot of good stuff in this one today. So let's dive in because episode number 115 of KYPD with Coach DeAndre Crawford is coming at you right now. Coach Crawford, welcome to the podcast. So glad you could join us today. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, Coach, you're in, in, in Alabama uh, at a great program there in Hueytown. Uh, and and friends of, of former guest, uh, Coach Zach Williams, who, of course, is now the uh, graduate assistant at Texas. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about that plenty of today. But before we get into all that, take us back a little bit to where uh, your love for football started and, and give us just a little bit uh, on your background as, as we get started off today in our conversation. I started playing football around seven years old um, for the West Point Rec League. Um, I'm from a small city, small town. Um, around the time I was growing up, probably a three or four stoplight town. Uh, so everybody played football. Uh, and I can't say that I was one of the kids that always loved the game. Uh, I played probably because everybody in the neighborhood played. Um, so that's where I got my start. Um, I ended up going to high school at Troop County High School in LaGrange, Georgia. Um, played there for four years um, under the leadership of Coach Bubba Jeter. Um, and my defensive coordinator was Coach George Brewer, and he is now currently at Kentucky State um, in the in the assistant capacity. Um, and he's kind of the one of the guys that kind of made me realize that I could be a pretty good football player in high school, and got me to actually lock in and um, take the game seriously. So. From seven to probably about 15 years old, I was just cruising, just playing because that was the thing to do. And um, he actually got me to lock in and and start teaching me the right things to do to become a good player. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where, where my seeds were planted. Well, obviously, uh, you got yourself going there at some point because you went on to play some college ball at Alabama State. So talk to us a little bit about that. and. And what that what that process was like? Um, one day, my defense coordinator had to take me home, and uh, I was a multi sport athlete guy, and he kind of was real with me. He was like, you know, you're a six one six two kid. You play power forward for the basketball team. You're not going to be um, a division one or a division two basketball player. Um, he said you play baseball, um, but you know what I'm saying? You're average, average baseball player. And he was telling me the truth. At that time, you don't want to hear that. But uh, as a kid, but I took heed to everything he said, and I locked it in. And, um, I was an undersized football player. I was 6'2", 190 my senior year, playing defensive end, and ended up getting a scholarship to Alabama State to be an outside linebacker at 3'4". And um, 
yeah, I earned my scholarship um, and went down to Montgomery and and had an okay career down there. Ended up getting my degree uh, in physical education. And now I'm back doing the exact thing that my defensive coordinator uh, did for me, trying to pour into kids and, and reach kids through the game of football. What, what moment did you – or when was the moment that you realized that you wanted to coach? Was that once you got into college? Was that was that in high school? When when did you decide you wanted to coach football? Um, the 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 moment that I realized that I wanted to coach, um, I blew my knee out in college, tore my ACL, MCL, and meniscus, and that follow. I blew it out in the spring. We had two days left in spring ball, and that following fall, last game of the season, we did the grand opening for our new stadium at the time. And um, I was on the sideline trying plays for my defensive coordinator. And we were playing our arch rivals to Tuskegee. And, like, I knew he was a really uh, intelligent and cerebral coach, but I never really got to actually lock in and pay attention. And, like, he was calling out every play that they were going to run before they actually ran. And he was dialing up the perfect play call, and it was just still not working. Like, we just weren't executing at a high level. But just seeing him, like, anticipate, like, this situation, this formation, they're going to run this. And him being right, that game probably north of 85% of the time, and me standing right beside him, kind of seeing it, um, I was just in awe, and I admired it. And that was the moment that I think um, I decided that I wanted to be a football coach. And he, the, the, the coach, my defensive coordinator in college, Coach Cedric Thorne, he is currently the defensive coordinator at Alcorn State University in Mississippi, who probably in like the last five years, they probably won three or four sweat championships, had a couple of top FCS defenses. Um, so that was probably the, the moment that I can say I decided that I wanted to coach football. You, know, you mentioned, you, obviously, your defensive coordinator there in college. You talked about your coaches in high school. As a coach now, now that you're coaching, who are some, some coaches in this profession that you've sort of leaned on as mentors? Um, some guys that I, that I met um, in my coaching journey, uh, one of them being Brian Head. Uh, he's currently the co- the O-line coach at uh, Carver High School. He's like a big brother figure, someone that I can call on, whether it's football or just life stuff. And I can I know that I'm going to get good advice from him. Um, from time to time, I still talk to my high school defensive coordinator, George Brewer, who is currently at Kentucky State. He's always been a good mentor for me as a young man because he played a pivotal part in me being a boy and kind of transitioning into manhood and kind of made me realize I was spoiled. I was a mama's boy. And um, he helped me out a lot in that transition. Um, a guy who I used to work under, who is currently the head coach at Carver High School, Daron Fagan. Um, he's kind of like a big brother to me also. I can always call him and get good advice Um whether it's like for football or stock market stuff or whatever. And um, actually a guy who's only a year older than me that I played uh, college football with named Draquay Everett. 
uh, Robert E. Lee High School in Montgomery. He is a great football mind, one of the smartest football minds, one of the smartest people, period, that I ever met. And um, so those are kind of some of the guys who I've leaned on throughout um, my coaching career who's, who've helped me out a lot. Well, as you know, you, you've, you've been coaching now for, for six years, so long enough to, uh, to learn some lessons. And, you know, all of us as, as coaches have gone through those growing pains that, that young coaches go through, you know, looking back on my early days uh, as a coach, you know, coaching in Mississippi, a lot of lessons that I learned the hard way. Uh, what, were, what were some of those lessons that you had to learn as a young coach kind of breaking into the profession? How to not rush things. Uh, whether it be install or guys progressing throughout getting stronger in the weight room. And um, just you have to learn your players and know their pace and the pace that they're capable of. Um, and one of the biggest things that helped me out with that, um, a couple of years ago I took a year off from coaching and um, I left teaching and coaching middle school and high school kids and became an elementary school PE teacher. And um, that really, really showed me how if you use simple cues and um, and the importance of demonstrating and using simple cues and coaching on the fly, um, that's one thing that I have applied to my coaching, even though, I'm not working with elementary school kids anymore. Um, it's something that I have applied to my routine that's helped me out a lot because even though these kids are a little bit older, a lot older than those elementary kids, those same things apply. Because I was being in the gym trying to teach a kid how to throw a ball in the basket or how to catch a ball or how to run without tripping over their feet. It's all coaching. So um, being able to simplify things so that, you know what I'm saying, someone who is not as intelligent may be able to understand if you can apply that to your football coaching, then I think it could take you a long way because you have, you'll have guys who have high intelligence, low intelligence in there. If you can reach all of those guys at some point, I think that's what makes you a effective coach. Coach, you're exactly right, and, and I think uh, you know if, for those of us who maybe haven't haven't taught elementary kids, a lot of it's the same when you coach junior high football, you know, because yes. you really do have to simplify your coaching cues. And aside from having kids yourself and trying to teach them things like throwing a football, catching a football, things like that, you know, coaching those middle school kids, you really have to. I don't want to say dumb things down because that's not it, but you do have to simplify things for them and, and, and really uh, be specific and, and, um, and clear on what you want them to do because they are very literal. They are very ignorant to just how to do basic things. And so, uh, and, and that, 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 that helps you when you get to those upper levels uh, because your coaching cues are on point and you are uh, clear and concise with those. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And the, and, and the kids, they can, they can sense um, kind of when you are putting that effort in. So they'll meet you halfway. You know what I'm saying? They'll they'll ask those questions when they know you really are trying your best to kind of get over to them. Um, and 
I didn't really realize that as much because I started off my coaching career as a as a, as a middle school head coach. And um, just the, even the difference between seventh and eighth graders and uh, fifth grade and down was exponentially different when it comes to football. Um, and, I mean, on the back end of me coaching middle school football, we did some some varsity high school-ish type things that a lot of people said that we couldn't do in the area that I was coaching. But it was because the coaches with me and around me, um, we met a lot and we thought about ways that we could really, really simplify it enough to where our kids who were NFL in school um, at a low socioeconomic area could understand. And we did some zone running schemes, RPO things that people in our league weren't doing. And they were kind of surprised that we could do it. But we took the time and we actually poured into those kids, kids the knowledge that we had. And it worked out for us. We had a really successful season. Um, but it's just all about um, getting better as a coach. You know what I'm saying? People ask me all the time, do I, did I enjoy playing the game more? or coaching the game more. And um, I always say coaching because I say coaching is harder. It's harder than playing. If you got the ability and the the IQ and the knowledge, you can go, go out and play. But coaching, um, it's a lot of figuring out because your players are always evolving. You're always getting new players, and they have different mental capacities, and they come from different backgrounds. So I, I definitely enjoy coaching more than I do yeah it is a lot of fun and it's it's different it's just a different kind of uh experience when you go out there and 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 you put all these work into these guys and then you're able to watch them you know uh be successful and and uh, take what what you've coached them to do and 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 execute that on the field and and be successful well let's 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 switch gears here and talk about your defense there at Hueytown. we're going to be talking about linebacker play today before we jump into that specifically Talk to us a little bit about your defense as a whole there, uh, what, you're, what you're running and, and um, you know, what you like about that. Um, so uh, at Hueytown, I'm currently um, the, the coach DC, um, but I've done a um, – I've coached on all three levels throughout my coaching career. Um, we're in a, a three-four system. Uh, it's, a, it's a system that fits us well because we have – some bigger guys on the D-line who can two-gap it and who are pretty physical and athletic as well. Um, but we want to be um, we want to be able to be a base defense. We want to be able to be attacked. So we want to be multiple in our looks and also in our schemes so that we won't be as um, easy to figure out. Um, and this is new for me because it's my first year in the 3-4 system. Prior to, I've been strictly 4-2-5 and 3-3-5. Um, so I'm learning as well. Um, but it's definitely been a, a fun ride from the spring uh, to now. Uh, as we're about to head into fall camp, I've learned a lot. Um, you know what I'm saying? Coming in the spring, having to learn new players. Um, as well as pick up a new system, new terminology. Um, and now I'm, you know what I'm saying, uh, signaling in plays and all of that. So 
it's been a lot, uh, but it's been fun, and I wouldn't trade this experience for the world. Let's 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 start talking about linebackers specifically now. Uh, when you're okay. coaching, because you, I know you've coached uh, pretty much everything on on the defensive side of the ball. So when it comes to linebackers and you're and you're coaching those linebackers up. Walk us through your coaching progression for those guys, beginning with things like keys, stance, all, all of that. Um, well, I'll start with stance first because you have to have a solid base. And with stance, you know what I'm saying, throughout me coaching and being on all three levels, you know what I'm saying, we have our key points. You know what I'm saying, linebackers, you want to have your feet slightly uh, wider than shoulder width. Um, if you to, – to, to make sure that you don't fall step, you might want to point your toes in just slightly to try to negate that false step. Um, but what I've learned is you don't want to overcoat some of those things because you want the player to be comfortable. Sometimes they can get so um, they can get so riled up about doing exactly what you're asking them to do that they'll put themselves in a the comfortable position. So that in the uncomfortable position, I'm sorry. And so I try to use the philosophies that I learned in elementary school to just use small cues as far as correction and, and let them get comfortable in a position as long as they can be effective. Um, so in the stands, I try not to overcoach it. I just try to get them where they're comfortable and they can be effective. Um, as far as keys, um, we're a heavy um, – our inside backers are heavy – guard readers uh unless we change something by game plan to where if they have a sniffer or an h back and they're going to take you to the ball on the rundowns majority of the time we're going to read those guards but it just depends on tendencies um those outside backer overhang guys are going to read the, uh the tackle um and and um we try to do it that way uh, our steps. Um, we try to be as downhill as possible. We want to be an attack defense. Um, and those are just some of the base things that uh, we want to go over. We don't, we try to eliminate wasted steps. I preach to the guys all the time, uh, no matter if it's on the D line, linebackers, DBs, you know what I'm saying? Football is a game of inches. And when you're on defense, we're the reactors most of the time. So if, if you have a false step, or if you cross over at D-line, or if you're a DB and, and you get your cushion ate up, um, those are things that's going to negatively affect how you can react on this play. So we try to eliminate all of that, those things and um, make sure that we're disciplined with our eyes and our feet. So I, I'm, I'm big on uh, preaching eye discipline. Um, well, on the line, that's more of a, a get off thing and, uh, potentially reading the, the, the block of the offensive lineman is giving you, um, with the linebackers is, uh, keeping my eyes on the guard. If this guy's pulling or this guy's blocked down, you know what I'm saying? Me being able to get downhill or me being able to scrape across and, and do my responsibility. And with the DBs, if I'm a safety, being able to read that tackle, uh, run or pass, you know what I'm saying? And me being able to run that alley and be late help on the run or 
me being able to take my eyes from two to one or read my two, uh, just things of those. So when you're when when you're coaching linebackers, talk to us about some of your favorite everyday drills that you have for those guys to work on those things like stance, like keys and steps, uh, eye discipline, all of that. Uh, we do a read drill, um, something where you just get a mock offensive line. Uh, you put your two inside backers, outside backer out, and you'll give or stand behind them the old school way and direct everybody uh, where you want them to go and just see the fit that you get. Or you can use a book and kind of have different cars and kind of give them like a scout online look and see the fit that you get. Um, I think that that drill is really important because it can go if you use it on the book on the on the with the cards. You could take it from week to week and do exactly the run plays that the, the team that you're facing is doing, and um, you can correct those steps. Um, or correct the progression of your linebackers throughout those steps. And we're trying to get to the point where we can, like, uh, record our indie stuff, our endo stuff, to where you can watch that stuff in film and emphasize where you took a false step here, you crossed over here when you should have been downhill, or when when you met the uh, offensive lineman here, instead of trying to take him on with your shoulder, using, using your hands to get off. I think that's a really important drill, is just a read drill. Um, I think the shock and shed um, is really good. You know what I'm saying? Some people shock and shed, some like to dip the hip. I think you should be able to do uh, a variety of them because it's different situations. Sometimes you can't avoid contact with the offensive lineman. You need to be able to get get free from the block. Um, sometimes you can be quicker than him and dip the shoulder and get under, uh, get over top of him. Um, that's another drill um, that we like to emphasize and do every day. And uh, hip tracking. Uh, if you've got outside track from the um, from a ball carrier, just being able to stay on his hip, uh, taking away his inside, and being able to stay on track with him to be able to make those plays. So let me ask you this. Uh, with your inside linebackers, do you prefer those guys to fly downhill and fill their gaps, you know, press their gaps, uh, or are they are they more kind of falling back behind stuff? How do you how do you what's your preference with with that as far as your inside linebackers go? Uh, with us being a, a a three four, I like them going to go ahead and get downhill and getting those gaps. Uh, but we have a pretty pretty stout D line to where if they if it takes them a little longer to get there, it's okay. We got some guys that can two gap up front. We have a solid six or seven man rotation, but those guys, even with the guys that we have up front, like the first three are a little bit different skill and physically, skill wise and physically than the next three. Um, so the first three are bigger guys, stronger guys that can hold those gaps down. The second three guys are a little different. You know what I'm saying? They they may be a little, they are a little smaller. We got two ends that are more probably traditional 4-3. You got to know your personnel and what you have in front of you. And we try to teach them those things. Like, you got to know your teammates. Um, you got to know what they're capable of. And it's just a, a IQ thing that we try to teach them. But me personally, I love to see um, if you if you get a pull from a, from a guard 
from your guard. And I love to see those guys scraping, scraping across with confidence and speed to be able to, to see that, that hole open and to be able to hit it and make that play. So you, you've alluded to your, your defensive front. And so we will, we will talk about that for a little bit. It is a D line po- podcast after all talk mm-hmm. about real quick, just the, 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 the techniques that your guys are playing up front uh, with your D line. And then we'll, we'll go back to, to talking linebackers. How are you, how are you playing those guys up front with your D line? What techniques? And you, know, you mentioned two gaps. So talk about that a little bit. So, um, we, we do a, a couple of different fronts, uh, but our base, um, is a five, a zero, and a five, but we also do a four eye, zero, and a four eye. And we do a couple of other things off of that. I just don't want to give all the sauce away. Uh, but uh, we have we have some guys who our nose is a really good kid, um, a really good player. He's a really strong kid. Um, he's going to demand a double team every play. So that's going to help us out a lot in that three, four. Um, it's going to help those linebackers out a lot also. Um, and not only is he going to demand a double team, but he can consistently split a double. Um, so he can be able to still make those plays and not only just plug the gap and two gap and just demand that double, but he can also be effective and, and, and not just have to suck up blockers. Um, on, a, on the ends, we have two guys who, as we have about four guys who, um, who are technicians. Um, they've been getting coached really good. And uh, I give Coach, Coach Zach Williams his credit all the time because I think he progressed those guys um, along the way really well to getting them prepared for varsity football. Some of these guys, this will be um, their first year getting those serious varsity reps. Some of them were JV guys last year. A couple of them played early on as um, – as freshmen and sophomores on varsity. So he prepared those guys really well to um to do the things we're asking them to do. And not only with him, like I was coaching the D line in the spring when I first got there. So we had some changes and uh I played D line in high school and I was impressed by some of the things they knew, their ability to squeeze and spill. And we're we're a primarily spill team uh from on the end. So um we're they they squeeze well, also helping the linebackers with the tackle not being able to climb without linebackers not getting blocked by office. the tackles who are blocking down on if you get GT and those plays like their power in certain plays where these guys are actually getting hand on the tackle and they do a really good job of initiating contact with the guy who's trying to kick them. So they don't just, you know, they accept getting blocked. They initiate the contact. They press these guys up field. Uh, they make the running back bubble out. Sometimes they make the play. So they do a really, really good job of that. And that's something that I think is going to help us a lot this year because we have re- really young backers. Like, um, we don't have a lot of playing experience at backer right now. Like, these guys didn't play a lot last year. Um, so with our D-line stepping up and, and being the dogs that we need them to be, I think that's going to help us out a lot as these guys get acclimated to varsity football. Yeah, young linebackers that, that you know, the veteran D line is your young linebackers' best friends. That's that's a, yeah, a for sure to grow those guys up. Now you talked about, um, you know, with with your your fives or squeezing on down blocks. What do you? Th- what's what's the uh, the inside linebacker to that five techniques side doing 
once he sees that down block, uh, he sees his guard block down, what's he doing next? Um, he's he's trying to fit outside of that, um, outside of that, uh, basically where the collision is going to happen because the the backside, the backside, which would be the backside inside linebacker, he's going to scrape, but he's going to fit directly outside of that end. So he should be down here. Uh, which means if he's blocking, if he gets a down block from, if the end gets a down block from the tackle, that means nine times out of ten, unless it's buck sweep or something like that, he got a down block from his guard too. So he should be down here. Um, now, the opposite backer who got the pull, he's a scrape, he's scraping over top. He's trying to catch that speed. Um, so we want both of the guys downhill, um, but we want him that, the guy to the five that got the, the down block, we want him down here right now, and the other guys basically catching the speed. And we also have our overhanging guys. Um, unless we're playing a heavy, heavy RPO team, um, they're not super, like they're not overly aggressive, but they'll be able to help catch the spill if he bubbles out a little bit too much. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, let's talk about this. Um, when you're when you're coaching linebackers, what are some common mistakes that you see uh, those guys? You talk about having young linebackers uh, on on your team this year. What are some common mistakes that you see those guys make? And then, how do you go about correcting those mistakes? Um, the biggest thing is uh, undisciplined eyes. Like guys knowing they should be reading the guard, but they get their eyes on the backfield, uh, quarterback and running back. Um, just stuff like that, uh, that, you know, it dr- kind of drives you crazy as a coach. Cause you probably heard yourself say, read the guard 5,000 times. But when you have younger guys who don't have a lot of experience, it's easy to not lock in on the guard. Cause you don't really understand the importance. So you have to kind of take those guys into the film room. And I think that's the importance of film as much as possible. Um, and seeing different offensive schemes, like you get to show them over time, like we're not telling you to look at these guys for no reason. Like if we tell you to read a guy nine times out of 10, it's because he's going to take you to the play. Um, And I think that's one of the hurdles that you have to overcome is getting them to trust the coaching and getting getting them to understand that you're reading the guard for a reason. Um, Another thing is, with the the emergence of of seven on seven in the summers and in the spring, uh, you have to get the, the guys out of those habit of not taking no read steps and playing seven on seven in inside rugby, or or we have eleven on eleven team drills and this guy is not reading the guard. He's getting to his drop right now. So and kids love seven on seven. And I and I love it because they love, but. The true essence of high school football, nine times in ten, most teams are going to try to run the ball. So you have to be able to rerun, you have to be able to defend. And um, some of our younger guys, freshman guys, like they get into seven on seven mode and it's hard to get them out of. Um, and another thing is just not knowing situational football, uh, low football IQ. And that's, that's, I mean, I think that. That's the essence of being a high school coach, being able to matriculate a kid through not really being a high IQ football player and kind of teaching them situational football and 
teaching them what they should be looking for or what they should be knowing in these situations. Yeah, I actually think that is a huge uh, issue with kids uh, is is a low football IQ. You know, I don't know about you, but a lot of our guys, you know, we, we may come in, you know, in, this is in season and it's on a Monday. I'm like, man, did y'all see that game yesterday? Or did y'all see, did y'all see you know, Alabama's game Saturday? And they're like, no, no. It, it's that's crazy that you see a lot of football outside of what we're talking about. So, you know, they don't really see other stuff that's going on. And so their only exposure to football is the time that they're in our building. You know, a lot of the times they're, they're not, they're not going out and watching. Of course they're watching film on their own. That's, that's not what I mean, but you know, they don't, they don't go and, and they're not necessarily football fans outside of our team. Yeah. And and it's crazy that you say that. Cause I was just talking to one of our fellow coaches on the staff today and we were around the guys and we were just basically telling them like, it's crazy that y'all don't really watch ball. Like y'all play it. And y'all say y'all love it, but y'all really don't watch it. Like y'all may watch a game, but you probably can't tell me ten details of what happened throughout the game. Um, you know, and, and we got some guys that do watch ball, but a lot of the younger guys they don't really just lock in and on Saturdays and they don't watch football. You know what I'm saying? I'm watching ball every chance I get. Even in the off season, I'll go on YouTube and find a full game and watch a full game on YouTube of a game that I probably already seen five times. Um, but you know what I'm saying? That's how you learn the schemes and what this coach did in this situation and why trying to figure out why he did it in this situation. And, um, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, but you know, and when I was, you know what I'm saying? Younger and in high school, you know, I watched ball all the time. And, um, so it's just, I guess it's just a generational thing. Um, but you know, you kind of gotta, kind of gotta pick your battles, and you know, I, I ain't gonna hammer a kid for not watching it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna try to teach him as much as I can with the time that I'm required. Yeah, as much as I, I think this phrase is overused, and, and try not to use it, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, you're right. You can't go in there and, and say, hey, turn off, uh, turn off Xbox and go turn on some some ESPN or, or some yeah. or some NFL Fox. Uh, Sunday ticket or whatever it is, and 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 watch some football here, uh, and I think that, that that does lead to a uh, a a lack of knowledge of just how the game is played and the sort of the uh, the nuances of the game and situational football like you're talking about because you know we're talking to D line coaches here, so everybody knows the the frustration of it's third and long and the whole stadium knows it's a passing situation and your kid comes off and he's not trying to pass rush, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're popping up and looking in the backfield. And, and, and a lot of times you get them on the sideline. Well, why didn't you pass rush? Oh, I didn't know it was third down or I didn't know it was third and 15. I just thought, you know, I don't know. And that's, that's for us, that's maddening and frustrating, but you know, we gotta, we gotta coach them up on that. And, and I think that you gotta do that in practice and, you know, but whether it's, whether it's a third, third down segment of practice, or you, you keep, you know, you mark, you move the football as, as, as the offensive team is, is running through their stuff. I don't, you know, there's different ways of doing that, but that's definitely something that has to be addressed. Yeah, for sure. And we, and we, um, have put a system in as far as our own field, like pre-snap communication to where we have a set person who like barks out the down the distance. Uh, but just because that he's out there saying second and eight doesn't mean that it's processing in our guy's mind, you know what I'm saying? What to be looking for in second and long situations. You know what I'm saying? But 
we're trying to kind to kind of progress to that point to where when they hear that first and ten or that second, eight, third and short, those uh, situations that they start thinking, okay, um, with a scout report in the scout report in their film in these situations, they like to run this play out of this formation. You know what I'm saying? So if we can, I don't care if it's first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs, or if it's week one, it could be week seven. If we can, at some point in the season, get to the point where it starts to click in their head, the situational stuff, I think it'll make us a much better football team because it just means that we're leveling up, leveling up our IQ. Yeah, absolutely. And I think baseball is ahead of us in that aspect because if you watch baseball kids, whenever there's an out, you know, they're all holding up one or there's two outs they're holding up two. And mm-hmm. generally baseball, those kids do a good job of communicating. Another thing about that, you know, whether it's whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, those kids are playing that sport year round. Yeah. We football's sort of the last the last sport that that's not played year round, although you mentioned seven on seven that you know, that, that is being played year around, but you know, whether or not that's actual football, we could argue that. Um, I think you, we probably would be on the same side of that, you know, based on uh, just our, our discussion already, but yeah. you know, that's different. It's different. And so because kids, they really only get 10 shots a, a, a year of actually playing this, this game that football players, especially young kids, their, their IQ or their knowledge of the sport they play is lower than a, say a basketball player who's playing you know, he's playing his high school season, then he's playing AAU the rest of the year. And so mm-hmm. they're gonna pick up on those those that situational stuff, those 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 little nuances of the of the sport of the game, the game within the game, and 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 be more knowledgeable on that. And and that's that's just uh kind of the nature of of those sports and, and that's what we're dealing with with football that um, you know, it's just something we do have to be stressing. I think you're exactly right on that. One of the things well, I think oh go ahead, coach. Well, like what I was saying, like and the difference between like basketball and baseball and football is like besides probably not as much intense defense on the AAU basketball circuit, the game is pretty much the same. Uh the same with if you play perfect game in baseball. Like the game is basically the it's technically the same in baseball. Like it doesn't really change as much. Unless you may play in the in the league that you have to play hit with a wooden bat or something like that. But football on Friday nights in seven on seven, it's two completely different worlds. You know what I'm saying? Not only play calling wise, uh, but just culturally, all of it is total. It's two totally different worlds. So, um, yeah, the kids are they're out there and they stay in condition and they're getting the reps, but you can't all automatically say they're getting better because the stuff that they do on their high school team may not be the same type of coverage stuff that they do on their 707 team. And, you know what I'm saying, we have this thing that we call 707 beaters or 707 coverages, stuff that you can do in a 707 all day, but when it comes to Friday night, like, you're not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, of course. Um, I think that's where the difference comes in fundamentally across those three uh, sports that kind of makes football a little bit different because fundamentally, you know, high school basketball, high school baseball, and travel baseball and AAU, they're pretty much they're pretty much the same in most aspects. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, but it's okay. It's a good discussion that we're having. Uh, so that kind of leads me to my next question. What are some effective ways that you found to, to, when it comes to teaching your kids to watch film, you know, because that's another thing is, is that I didn't know how to watch film when I was in high school. didn't know how to watch it when I was in college. I just kind of had a very tunnel view of, of what I was watching. A lot of times I would just watch the ball. What are some ways that you teach your guys how to watch film effectively? I don't like to start off like any conversation with like a negative, but I always try to tell them like, don't watch it as a fan. Uh, Because some of them like, they think watching film is just like watching it like a game on TV. You know what I'm saying? They'll just turn the film on and they'll just go from play to play. And they're not really digesting any other information that they're seeing on, on, on the screen. So if we're talking about the linebacker aspect, like you have to figure out, are they a gap scheme running team? Are they a zone running team? Are they a combination of both? Um, do their office alignment climb to the second level really well? Do they struggle? Are they quick on their feet? Are they light on their feet? Do they have heavy feet? Um, is the quarterback athletic? Does he scramble? Is he a pack? Pocket pad. How strong is his arm? Those are the things that you're trying to pick up on the on the field. Uh, is the running back a power back? Is it shifty? Is it a speedster? Uh, if if we get a perfect squeeze and spill, is he gonna just run into the spill? Or is he gonna try to bounce it? Um, or is he gonna try to cut it back backside? Uh, those are the things that you're trying to figure out as you watch film. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Week one, week two, when you don't have as much film, it can be it can be hit and miss. Cause a team can week one, they can do you can play as a team week two and you only have week one film on them. And from week one to week two, they can do two totally different things. Um, but as you get down into the season and teams start to get into the stuff that they've been good at, you get to see those tendencies. And you get to see the lineup changes. Um, another thing that I, I like to to emphasize: um, Do they have a weak link on the offensive line? Is it somebody in the blitz game, or or when we're stunting? Is it somebody that we can attack? Um, and those are all things that that you as a coach look for, and you want to kind of get them to look for. Um, uh, what kind of what kind of uh, route patterns are they running? Um, do do their receivers come across the middle a lot? Do they the quarterback throw the ball across the middle? Does are his hot spots in the flats and down the field? Where is his hot spots on the field? Where does he like to target? Who does he like to target? Who do they want to get to ball to get the ball to? Because um, me as a coach, that's the first thing when I watch the film. Um, the first time when I like the first time I watch the film all the way through, the only thing that I'm most of the time logging is who is getting the ball. So every time a player gets the ball from the first play, if their running back is number seven, he gets the ball first. I write seven down, I tally him down. And every time a new player gets the ball, I write a number down. And at the end, whoever gets the tally, I think, okay, they're emphasizing getting this guy the ball. How can we stop him? Um, so it's just stuff like that that um, – you try to teach them to be cognizant of. Um, and I think it's, it's hit and miss. I think they learn a lot 
throughout those film sessions that you can have as a group, whether it's a whole defense or, and we're blessed enough to be able to um, watch film as position. So we can watch film with the D line can watch alone, linebackers can watch alone, DBs can watch alone. And I think those film sessions, those guys learn a lot about how to watch film and what we should be looking at and looking for. Yeah, I remember uh, as a coach starting out, I didn't know how to watch film as a coach. And a lot of the the lessons that I learned uh, about how to do that came from sitting in the room with the other coaches and hearing the things that they're looking at. Uh, because when they when they just start spouting stuff off, you're like, how are you even seeing that? Like, I don't even. But but what happens is, is they're not watching, like you said, as a fan, they're looking at, you know, maybe they're looking at the guard or they're looking at the the set of the back or they're looking at the steps, you know, maybe the feet of the quarterback and how he has his feet. And so it's, you learn to look at those little details. And, and as the saying goes, you see a little, you see a lot. And, and I think that's what we can teach our kids. If I'm a defensive end, okay, watch the tackles. You know, you're going to learn a lot about just watching and see what he does. If you're the linebackers watching the, watching those guards, finding that weak link, I think giving them those little things and not overwhelming them, that's going to lead them to being able to, uh, really come up with some, some things on their own, whether it's a tell or whether it's a weakness. And then there's, there's nothing like when those guys find something and they're able to bring it to you and you're able to incorporate it into the game plan. Yes. And, and like last year, I, I ran into a lot, like defense alignment of coming in um, on a Sunday after we, like we usually came in on Sundays and they will probably watch a little bit of film on Saturday or the next week's opponent. And, um, uh, We'll have a defensive lineman talking about how good a receiver is. I'm like, how good is the offensive tackle? Or how good is the offensive guard? And so at that point, you realize, like, I got to teach these guys how to watch film because they just watching as a fan. You know what I'm saying? But um, that's just another challenge as a coach that you can't run from. You know what I'm saying? You, you're you're constantly coaching the guys on, on the field, off the field, coaching them how to watch film coaching them how to behave in the building, uh, how to behave outside of the building, how to behave in the neighborhood. It's just the the job never ends. So I just think that's just another aspect of the job that you've got to know. Yeah, that's right. And and so do you when, when you're when you're coaching your guys up on film, do you send them cut ups? Do you you watch I know you mentioned you watch and film together. Uh do they watch film all on their own? How, how do you use film to coach them up throughout the week? So um, we do a combination of stuff. Um, like I said, we're blessed enough to be able to watch film uh, with our position groups. So we do that some. Uh, we watch film as a whole defense some, which I think is really effective because those guys get to kind of see understand uh, what the guys around them or in front of them or behind them is supposed to be responsible for. Um, and we also uh, send cut-ups out, playlists out. Uh, we use Quick Cut. Um, so I'll, at night, when I get home, I'll go over the film, write my notes in the film, make a playlist of all the corrections that I want my guys to see. I'll send it out for them. Um, so they kind of get like a, a cheat sheet of the next day's film session, uh, for lack of a better term. So they kind of know, all right, these are the things that we messed up on. These are the things we 
did good. And when I send my play, playlist, I, I try not to overdo it. You know what I'm saying? Some coaches might send a 30-play playlist. I'm more of a 10 to 15-play type of guy. Um, glaring weaknesses that we have to fix. or And I try to mix. I try to always have a mixture of bad stuff and good stuff. Um, so the guys don't ever get too down. Um, and I try to mix them in. I, at first, I used to be a guy that would put all the bad stuff in the beginning and then put all the good stuff in the end. Uh, but now I try to mix it up as much as possible and uh, put those notes in there um, just so they can they can understand these are the things that I think are very important that we fix. And I think it's, it helps us a lot. Yeah, I, we, we do the same thing. We we teach a lot and coach a lot on on making those film cut ups, and and I'm the same way. I think if you if you put together a 25 play clip or cut up, those guys aren't watching it. Uh, it's hard no. to watch, you know, because I I usually stick to 10 to 12 plays, uh, and and it's it's sometimes hard to get those guys to watch that. But I like throwing in some questions in there, uh, and th- that that I know that they only know if they watch the film, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so that way I can ask them later. Oh, did you watch him? Oh, yeah, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Well, what, what, what was the answer to this question or whatever? Um, one time last year, I put in some random facts about myself, just kind of doctored in there throughout the clips. Didn't even say anything. Just wanted to see if they would, if they would watch it and catch it. And, and uh, some of them did, some of them didn't. But anyway, I think that that's, that's, those are all great ways, as you mentioned, to, uh, to coach kids up on film. Well, as we get ready to wrap this conversation up, coach, we're going to do uh, our, our rapid fire segment here. And, and, um, Throw some questions at you and uh, get your responses. So, what do you think? You think uh, you think you're you're down for that? Oh yeah, for sure. Let's go. All right, here we go. Now, I uh, I want to ask you first about you know every coach has their writing utensil of choice. Maybe it's a pen, maybe it's a pencil. Uh, what would be your writing utensil of choice? What you got? Right here, it's a precise V five pen. Uh, I usually keep about 12 of them on hand because I lose pens all the time. And these things cost about $5 for a two-pack. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I try, I had this one for probably about four months, which is a record. But this is my writing utensil of choice. It's a ballpoint pen, best pens in the world. I, there you go. Hey, those I remember having those back in the day in school, and, and uh, you, know, you watch the ink kind of. Uh, you can see it in that little window right there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a pen person also. I'm, I'm a Pilot G2 uh, pen uh, user, but, but I am all about pen. The, I've, had a, I've had coaches who, who write in pencil, and, and I just I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the lead breaking off, and, uh, you know, it's just harder to see, but definitely a pen person. Okay, you're coaching defense. You've coached a lot of positions on the defensive side of the ball, but if you had to go coach a position on the offensive side of the ball, what would it be and why? Uh, it will probably be receivers, uh, and it's not really because of a football reason. It's just because they usually have the most personality on the team. Uh, I'm confident enough in myself mentally that I can learn enough about the position to where I can coach them up to be successful. But they usually are the – people like to say they're demons. I just like to say they have a lot of personality. And I like guys with a lot of personality, so I think receivers. Yeah, and you know, like, and I'm going to get some receivers mad at me and receivers coaches mad at me, but how hard is a receiver's practice? I mean, really, 
Like you're doing it's what, not, it's not what really every kid it. loves to do, and you're running routes and catching the football. Like yes, that I mean that's what every kid wants to do. No kid wants to go down there and take on a pulling guard or take on a double team. Or, <laughs> no. So I mean, like if you're a receiver, I can kind of see why they are divas because they just get to go out there and they're catching, they're snagging balls, and you know, uh, I mean life seems like it's, it's pretty good for those guys most of the time. So I, I can, I, I can see you on that one. Okay. Now here's, here's one, uh, getting a little bit personal. If you had a, or do you have a hidden talent, uh, coach that maybe your players don't know about if it is, if you do, what is it? What would it be a hidden talent? Um, I draw and write poetry. They don't know that, but I do both. Um, not as often as I used to, but I do both. Okay. Hey, so I, I used to, I, I, I taught English for a long time. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I can, I respect that for sure. I, and I, and I like to write as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's a nice little outlet for me uh, create creatively, I guess. Okay. So uh, I want to hear about this. What's your, you know, some coaches are kind of picky about what they eat pregame or postgame or whatever. What's your go-to pregame and postgame meal? Uh, if you can, if you could, could pick that. Pre-game, I'm not really picky. Uh, post-game, I'm a Waffle House guy. Um, I love Waffle House, okay. period. But um, post-game, that's like my go-to. Usually, um, all the other things that I eat are closed, and Waffle House is usually open. And it's not a, a pick by default, because I really do love Waffle House, but probably Waffle so for Waffle House, okay, we're gonna get ask a Waffle House question here. Do you like? Do you get the hash browns at Waffle House? Um, I am a uh, cheesesteak hash brown bowl guy. So okay. I, I get yeah. the it's a bowl with the hash brown and the, the stuff that they put on the cheesesteak on top with the onions. That's my that's my go to, and I get the Waffle House sauce. Yeah, that's my thing. I, that sounds really really good. <laughs> Check that out. Yeah, I, I, we, we do have a Waffle House here. I haven't convinced my kids to go eat there yet because they want to go to – there's other breakfast places around. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel like I've kind of it's it, on some level failed them as a dad a little bit because I haven't gotten them over there yet. But I, I am a fan of Waffle House. Okay, we talked about how, you know, our, our kids, our players don't watch a whole lot of football. If you could watch – you know, let's say you just got time to watch one game on, on a weekend. Are you going to watch – tune into college football or the NFL? Definitely college football. I'm a college football guy. I think every week there, the games have a significant amount of importance. Sometimes in the NFL, it feels like the games aren't really that important. But in college football, it seems like every week you can find at least one game that is like, if they don't win this game, their playoff hopes are over. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'll say college football because of the atmosphere. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is. It is so important. I mean, you know, week by week, it's so important. And, and you're right. In the NFL, they can go, you know, eight and eight and still get in the playoffs. So I mean, you can yeah. half of your games and you're still, uh, you're still in. So that that you're right. That's a that's a good point. And I would expect it nothing less being in Alabama there, where uh, that's sort of the epicenter of college football. Yeah. Uh, in the last few years, are you a Bama fan or an Auburn fan? Um, I'm originally. I grew up in Georgia, so I'm not really I, – I don't really have a college football team. I just like watching good ball. Um, I can say that um, I was a huge Cam Newton fan when he was in college at Auburn, which was not very long for one year. 
Um, but I wouldn't call myself an Auburn or Alabama fan. I just like to watch football. Yeah, it's hard when you're in a when you're in a state, uh, well, especially like yours, where there are two prominent schools. But even when you're in a um, in a state and you have you have you know you get to know coaches from all the schools, you know, mm-hmm. and they recruit your kids and you go to their you go to their you go to their camps, you go to their clinics or or whatever, and you build relationships with those guys. It's hard to be a at least for me. I know there's diehard college football fans out there if you're an Aggie alum or whatever, uh, especially here in Texas. But it's hard for me to be a super fan of of one team when you do get to know some of those guys and you see kids go off to you know, different schools and and so for me I, I'm I, I pull for for all all Texas schools usually um, you know and and uh, kind of go from there. Well, Coach, I uh, I really appreciate you uh, you coming by and talking with us today and uh, want to wish you guys the best of luck uh, this upcoming season. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Coach Crawford, for joining us today. Hey, go and follow him on Twitter at ccrawford46 and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. And if you're liking what you're hearing, then feel free to give us a five-star rating and a review. Help spread the word about our podcast here, and it takes just a minute. You know, our audience is growing by the week. Uh, last week's episode with Coach Worrell has been one of our most popular uh, of, of this year, and, and a big reason for that is because of, you know, it's a testament to who Coach Worrell is and the impact that he's had on others uh, throughout his coaching career, but also uh, a big part of that is because of you guys uh, telling your friends and coming back each week to check us out, and so I really, really appreciate that, so thank you very much. After saying all that, I do need to let you know uh, some news about the future of this podcast. We will be shutting down the podcast starting in August just for the football season. We'll be back in January, but doing that for a couple of reasons. First, as you can imagine, it's really hard to get guests during the season uh, and and working hard to get those guys lined up uh, throughout the year uh, takes a lot of time and and, uh, and and so that's that's one reason. But secondly, you know we've kept this thing going the past two football seasons. But in my new role here on our on our staff, I I, I need to free up some time so that I can be sure that I'm giving our kids in our program, uh, the other coaches on our staff, and the members of our community, and, and most importantly, my my family my best each week. And, you know, you, you guys know family time is, 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 is a, comes at a premium in the fall and, and even more so now than it has been in the past. So for all of those reasons, we'll be closing this thing down uh, for the season. But don't worry, we'll be back for season four in January. And I'm not really at the possibility of, you know, a few episodes sprinkled in here and there uh, throughout the season. But as far as weekly episodes go, we won't be doing that again until early January. Now, we do have a few episodes left. We're, we're not done yet. In fact, we have a really cool episode lined up for you next week that I think you guys will definitely want to check out if you're a fan of college football and have been following all this, this news with Texas and, and Oklahoma to the SEC. Um, you know, just other conference realignment moves and you know how all that's going to shape the future landscape for college football. So uh, a really fun episode coming up next week. So make sure you join us right back here for episode number 116. Our quote of the day comes from Walter Payton, and it goes like this. Never die easy. Why run out of bounds and die easy? Make that linebacker pay. It carries in all facets of your life. It's okay to lose, to die, but don't die without trying, without giving it your best. And with that, we will get on out of here. Hey, have a great week. This is the last week for us in Texas, and I know for a lot of you guys in other parts of the country, the last week before we kick off our seasons with fall camp. So, hey, get those practice plans ready. 
dust off those sleds, roll out those helmets, and most importantly, hey, keep your pads down.